John 16, verse 25. I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. The Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe Behold, the hour is coming, indeed, it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet, I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. People don't write letters much anymore, do they? Uh, yeah, texting and even emails are abbreviated. In Paul's day, when they were writing the epistles, uh, Peter and John and such, um, they would write the letter to the church and they would start off introducing themselves. I'm Paul, I'm Peter, I'm John. And then at the end of the letter, sometimes they might sum up the letter. Paul in particular would take time to take the pen from his uh, assistant uh, and scribble his name and maybe a final note. You and I, uh, back in the day when we would write letters, we'd start out with a greeting, give the body of the letter and end off with a salutation. And, and sometimes after our signature, and don't let me get too loud, Chastity, I, I don't know, uh, how this thing is going to work, but sometimes after our signature, um, our minds are then provoked uh, to remember something else, something that perhaps we forgot to say or something we want to add to the process. We call that a postscript. Or if we were writing, we'd say, um, P.S. It's sort of like I've said everything I want to say, but but this is extra information. That's where I feel like Jesus is in these moments. Um, 
He has spent three years with his disciples, and he's come now to this upper room experience. You and I have been there with him for several months now, and he's ending that evening, and he's coming to these words here. Now, in chapter 17, when you and I get there, next week he will start to pray for them, but, but these words here, verses 25 through 33, there's somewhat of a postscript. He, he said everything he wants to say, and he comes to this place where he says, oh, by the way, P.S., let me tell you a few last things. If I were going to sum up these few last things, I would say that what bookends these verses is the concept of prayer and pressure. Prayer and pressure. Let's take a look at the text. Verse 25, he says, I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. Jesus says, no more veiled statements. No more cloak and dagger. Everything now will be clear. He says, no more demonstrations like washing your feet. No more illustrations like a mother having a baby and finally having the joy. No more analogies, no more metaphors, no more figures of speech. He says, I'm going to speak to you plainly. And he speaks to them so plainly, in fact, that these guys are actually able to write scripture. Speaks to them so plainly through Holy Spirit that they're able to comprise a complete revelation of God. They're able to remember Jesus's exact words and give us a foretaste in Revelation of what the future is going to be. So Jesus now stops speaking to them in metaphors and illustrations. He says, I speak to you plainly. He says plainly, on that day, um, I will give you direct access to the Father. He says in verse 26, you'll ask in my name, but I'm not going to ask him on your behalf. He says, the distance between you and God will disappear. You will have direct access to ask God what it is you want from him. And he says that this granted access is based on, verse 27, your love and your belief. Do you see it there in the text? 
He says, based on your love for me and your belief in me, this will then allow you that access. You'll be able to understand my words and you'll have access, your love for me. And Jesus knew that these guys who remained with him, they, they loved him. The Bible says that Jesus knew all men, and in particular, you will remember at Peter's recommissioning after Jesus' resurrection, they're out there on the seashore, and uh, he says, Peter, do you love me? Asks him three times, and Peter says, you know I love you. Jesus knew these guys loved him. Of course, Judas is now gone. And you got to understand, brothers and sisters, the only way that you can come to the Father is to love God, is to love Jesus. As a matter of fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 21, that anybody who does not love Jesus obviously cannot come to God and they are cursed. Uh, the word is anathema. They are damned. Anybody who does not love Jesus is damned. And so Jesus is saying in this moment, I know that you loved me. And then he shares with them a snapshot of his life. Look at verse 28. He says, I came from the Father. I've come into the world. And now I'm leaving the world. And I'm going to the Father. And if you look at that, Francis, you'd see here, the text says, I came from the Father. That's his incarnation. That's him taking on human flesh. Then he says, I've come into the world. This is my mission. I'm here to work the work of the atonement. And then he says, and now I'm leaving the world. He will not leave the world like Elijah uh, on a chariot of fire. He will necessarily have to go to the cross. So this speaks of his passion, speaks of his suffering. And then he says, I'm going back to the Father. This is his ascension. He is going back to, a fa to the Father. And so you see this process of his life and how it is bracketed by the Father. He says, I come from the Father, came into the world, I'm leaving the world, and I'm going back to the Father. As believers, if we would see our lives in this type of snapshot, then it won't come as a surprise to us when somebody dies. The fact of the matter is my life is bracketed by the Father. I came from God and I'm here for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, maybe 90 years. But then I'm going back to the Father. And brothers and sisters, I've said it over and over again. I'll say to you, my brothers and sisters, I don't want to hear in this context because you know too much Bible. I don't want to hear in this context, I'm not ready to die. 
The only reason why you're not ready to die is that you're not ready to meet your maker. And if that's the case, let's get it right today. We can pray for you, bring you to the altar, we'll lay hands on you, we'll walk with you. But every Christian ought to be ready to die. Because I know that I'm not here forever. I came from the Father, and I'm trying to get back. And I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm, I'm ready in this moment. My notes are here. Tylen would finish if I die. Listen, I'm ready to go right now. And every Christian ought to be. And that's where Jesus is giving these boys this quick snapshot. He's saying, I came from the Father and I'm going back. And he says, I know that you believe. And then the disciples move away uh, from what Juan Wisby called a spiritual stupor. And they come into clarity. Their bewilderment is turned into Leaf, uh, their blind spots are transformed into bold statements. They say in verse 30, we believe. Uh, you, you've been speaking in figurative language, but, but now we believe. And we believe because we know that you know all things. Verses 29 and 30, they began to speak of his omniscience, his uh, uh, knowing all things, uh, his ability to know not only uh, what is right in front of him, but to know the past, the present, and the future. He knew all things. And as we discussed before, Jesus knows all men, according to John, uh, there in John 2 and 25 and then of course we remember in John 3 and 2 Nicodemus says we know that you come from the Father because uh, quite frankly can't nobody talk like you talk the way you teach is just extraordinary and we know that you've come from God and so these guys believe in Jesus but then that horrific yet holy hour has come. That hour that Zechariah talks about in Zechariah 13, 7. He says, the shepherd will be struck and the sheep will scatter. The Sanhedrin right now are carrying their big stick. And they come now to take Jesus. This is just a few minutes away, a few hours away. And the text says that when the Sanhedrin attacks Christ, the sheep scatter. Peter, James, John. Bartholomew, Matthew, they, they all scatter. They, 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 they scurry home like dogs, scalded dogs. Their tail beneath their legs. They 
They run home. I think that's curious. They're struck by the Sanhedrin. And the Bible says they run home, each man to his own house, to save their own skin. Not only do they not care about their brothers, they don't even care about Jesus. They ran. They left their brothers they've been hanging out with for three years. They, they ran out on them. They ran away from Jesus to save their own skin for safety. I want to encourage you. I, I want to remind myself not to do that. When the pressures of this world attack me, I don't need to leave my brothers and sisters. I don't need to run away from the church. Doc, they ran from the very hands that could have saved them. Peter calls Jesus the ark of safety, uh, referencing Noah, how that he's there, rain is coming from above, water from beneath, but in the middle, you're safe in the ark. When you are in Christ, you can have trouble from above, trouble from beneath, but as long as you're in Christ, don't run away from the church. I know the storm is moving this thing and shaking us, but don't run away. Stay with the church. Stay with Jesus. But, but, but it is Jesus. Isaiah 6 and 3, 5 said he looked around and uh, didn't see anybody who could help. So he helped himself. I, I, I mean, don't get it twisted now. If you run out on Jesus, don't think that he can't handle himself. I, I want you to understand now that uh, he has the power. You remember uh, Hebrews talks about the fact that he looked around uh, for somebody to swear by. And since there was nobody there, he swore by himself. Uh, I only mean to say that God don't need you. Did that choke you up? I apologize. I just want you to understand now. Now, you, you have a spot. You have a place in God. But do not get it twisted. God does not need you. And if you are suffering, the safest place for you to be is in the strong hands of Jesus Christ. So, Jesus says, guys... I know it's going to get tough. He says, but I've overcome the world. I, I, I'm in verse 33 now, and uh, I did go a little long last Sunday. I'm going to try to cut it. That's what y'all get for letting me go on vacation. I know I'm a little long. I, I'm going to cut it short, but, but I'm in verse 33. And, 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 and can I just tell you that 
every Christian possesses two addresses. When I finish this, I want to look broadly at the text, but but before I do, um, and I'm going to be finished before 12, but but, but here uh, in verse 33, every Christian has two addresses. He says in verse 33, let me read it in your hearing. I've said these things to you that in me you will have peace, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Watch this, Jerry. Uh, for, first of all, uh, there is trouble in the world. There's peace in Christ. Watch this. Two addresses. In the world. See, that's why, that's, why, that's, why, that's why I like preaching here. Y'all, y'all read your Bible. Look, that, that's two addresses. That, uh, in the world and in Christ. So that no matter what's going on related to the world and tribulation and suffering, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how bad the persecution I always have peace. Yeah, that's right. So that when I'm asked about the weather, you, I, I have two properties, you understand. And, and when someone says, how is the weather where you are? I can always answer, it's peaceful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I'm in Christ. Now I understand I'm in the world and gas is high. They're talking inflation now and all of this. I understand we're in this world and, 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 and issues with abortion and issues with homosexuality. All of these issues. I understand the pressure. But I have peace. You, you, you go ahead and do whatever you're going to do in the world. Now, now I'm going to do my part. I'm going to vote. I'm going to do my civil responsibility. But ultimately, if you ask me about the pressure in the world, I'm going to tell you I still got peace. No matter how dark it gets in the world, I got to move on. Got to, I'm going to finish now. No matter how dark it gets in the world, I... I, I'm, I Still have.